You are now tuned into The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is sponsored by Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church of Early Texas. Grace Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. Grace Point meets at the Early Chamber of Commerce while their new worship facility is under construction. More information can be found online at pointtolife.wordpress.com or by mailing Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church at P.O. Box 3134, Early Texas, 76803. That's Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church, P.O. Box 3134, Early Texas, 76803. And now, with this week's study of the scriptures, here's Pastor Leland Acker. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, we'll be looking in verses 1 through 6. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. We are continuing our study through the Bible, going from Genesis to Revelation, and today's lesson is going to cover Genesis chapters 12 through 25. Chapters 12 through 25, we are studying the life of Abraham today, but since Abraham lived such a long life and such a faithful and fruitful life, yet he did have some uh, shortcomings, and we see God's grace and how he dealt with those, but with Abraham's life being so long and having so many different chapters to it and so many different things that he did, there's no way we're going to be able to study every detail of Abraham's life in one sitting. And so as we sit here and we study, we're going to hit the high points of his life and we're going to see what we can learn from his life. But the focus of his life and the, uh, the turning point and the thing that really defined Abraham is found in Genesis chapter 15. Okay, so if you will turn with me to Genesis chapter 15, we'll look in verses one through six. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell me the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness." In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham has been promised that he would have a seed, a son. He would have descendants, and his descendants would grow into a great nation. He's also been promised that in his uh, descendants and in his family and in his lineage would all the nations of the earth be blessed. He was promised that the Messiah, the Savior, would come through his descendants, that he would be an ancestor of the Messiah, of the Savior. Now, Abraham was a pretty old guy when God made these promises back in Genesis chapter 12. And a little time has passed between Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15. And so Abraham is sitting here and the Lord speaks to him, says, fear not, I am thy shield and I am thy reward. And Abraham says, you know, you promised a son, but I'm no spring chicken anymore. And I still don't have a son. Can we just count Eleazar as my heir and, and his descendants and, and bring them into the promise this way? And God said, no, I'm going to give you a son. And after making that promise, the Bible tells us that Abraham believed in the Lord and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And that is the defining characteristic 
of Abraham. Abraham was a man of faith. And when we say a man of faith, we're not talking about a man of religion. We are talking about a man who trusted God, a man who believed God, a man who believed God and took him at his word. And even though what God was telling him seemed impossible, seemed impractical, seemed improbable, Abraham believed him anyway. And so the number one thing you take away from the life of Abraham or Abram, as he's called early on in his life, the thing that you take from his life is the power of faith and how God honors faith and how faith brings in God's reward and accesses you and accesses you to his salvation. And so that's the main thing you learned from the, the life of Abraham. And so as we study the life of Abraham, let's take a look at some of the events in his life. First of all, Abraham was living in his home country when God called him to leave his country, to leave his kinfolk, to leave his cousins and his extended family, and to go into another country. And God did not tell him which country he was going to. God said, I'll show it to you, so just follow me. And the Bible tells us that Abraham followed him. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And then in Genesis uh, chapter 12, verses 4 through 5, we see that uh, Abraham obeyed God. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 4 through 5, the Bible says, So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And so God called Abraham to leave his home country, and Abraham did it. Abraham obeyed God. Secondly, God made a covenant with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, and this is the Lord speaking, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Abraham's descendants, according to God's covenant, would be a great nation. They would be a great nation. They'd be a strong nation, a nation of uh, high population. So many, in fact, later on in the scriptures, as we see in Genesis chapter 15, that he would not be able to number them because they'd be numbered as the stars in the sky. And so Abraham's descendants would be a great nation. And he says, and I will bless thee. So Abraham was promised that he would be blessed and that Abraham would be a blessing. In Genesis chapter 12, verse three, the Lord said, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so we see that God is promising as he is calling Abraham to leave Haran, we see God is promising to make Abraham a great nation, a great nation out of his descendants. And God is promising that in his descendants would the Messiah come, the Christ come. He says, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's a messianic prophecy. That's a prophecy that the Messiah would come from the descendants of Abraham. And this is repeated in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And so once again, we see that uh, God promised that Christ would come through the nation that Abraham fathered. And so we see that uh, we see that God called Abraham. God promised Abraham a lineage, a seed, a son who would 
uh, go on to father many children, many grandchildren, many great-grandchildren until his descendants grew into a great nation. And the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, the Redeemer would come out of all that. That was a promise that was made to Abraham. And Abraham believed God in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And so as a result, Abraham followed God and Abraham obeyed God. But Abraham was not a perfect man. Abraham made mistakes. On two separate occasions, he lied and said that Sarai or Sarah was his sister as opposed to being his wife, and that cost him dearly. We see in Genesis chapter 12, verses 12 through 13, uh, the Bible said, Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. This is Abraham talking to Sarah, and he tells Sarah, he says, listen, you're a beautiful woman. And let me tell you something. I mean, they're up in years. Abraham is like 75 years old. Sarah, I think, is about 65 at this point. But she was still very fair to look upon. She was a good-looking woman. And Abraham knew how those Egyptians were and that uh, those, uh, those Egyptians were the kind that would just kill a man and take his wife. And so in order that he would not be killed, their story was going to be that she was his sister. And even though that was a half-truth that we learn later on in the scripture, uh, telling a half-truth for the sake of deception is still a lie. And he repeated this uh, sin in Genesis chapter 20, verse 2. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And so we see that Abraham had these sins and that uh, on two separate occasions, he more or less gave Sarah up and told a lie about their relationship. And that seems like a very strange thing, but when you've got a sword pointed at you, you tend to act a little bit differently as well. And then in Genesis chapter 16, verse 4, uh, the Bible tells us, and he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And so what happens in Genesis chapter 16 is Abraham's been promised a son, has been promised a seed, has been promised descendants and a great nation that would come out of them and Sarah who was barren who was unable to have children still had not had children had not had a child and so Sarah comes up with this point that uh, Abraham could just father a child with her handmaid and it would count as being her child and so Abraham winds up committing adultery with Hagar and winds up fathering a child with Hagar and of course that child's name was Ishmael and a lot of people believe that Ishmael was the father of the of the Muslim or the Arabic race, uh, which uh, which is where we get Islam, and and that explains a lot of the conflict between Israel and the rest of the Middle East. And so uh, that that's what happened. It all went back to that sin that Abraham committed back in Genesis chapter sixteen. And so we see that Abraham was a great man of faith, but Abraham was not a perfect man. He had sin in his life too, but. Abraham did go on to receive God's promise when he fathered Isaac in Genesis chapter 21 verses 1 through 2 and the Lord visited Sarah as he said and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him and so here we see that God followed through and gave Abraham a son through his wife Sarah 
And then later on in the scriptures, Abraham is called to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice, but then the Lord stopped him and provided a ram and praised him for withholding nothing from the Lord. And then after all this stuff happens and Abraham goes through all this stuff, he passes away. And that reminds us that no matter how great a person of faith that we are, no matter how great an individual we are on any particular front, uh, the Bible teaches us that one day we will all die and then we will all face the judgment. And so that's the life of Abraham in a nutshell. And there are things that we can learn from the life of Abraham. And the first thing that we learn from the life of Abraham, the, the thing that should jump out at you about Abraham is his faith, his deep abiding trust in the Lord. When God spoke, Abraham believed him. Abraham did not question God, did not question the truth of what God spoke. Now, there were times that Abraham said, I, I believe you, but how is this going to happen? But Abraham did not question the truth of what God was telling him. And so you think about Abraham and you have to think about faith. In fact, he is the central figure of Hebrews chapter 11, the Hebrews hall of faith. Okay. He is the shining example of faith. And so the first thing that we learn from the life of Abraham is faith. And that word faith is not a religion or a system or a series of works or, or a protocol. Faith simply means a deep abiding trust, a deep rooted trust or the conviction of the truth of anything. And so what we learn from Abraham, first thing, is that we need to believe God. We need to trust God. We need to take God at his word, trust God, trust him at his word, trust that he has taken care of us, trust that he will save us, trust that, he, that his plan is perfect and that he's working it. All right, we need to believe God. We need to trust God. We need to have faith. And the first step of faith is trusting God for salvation, okay? And that's where salvation comes from. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He paid for our sins on the cross. How do we access that payment? By faith. Faith is the key that unlocks God's grace for us, all right? And so the first thing you trust God for is for salvation. In the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 15, verse six, the Bible says, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. God promised Abraham a seed, descendants who would be a great nation. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many people, that he would be the father of a great nation, and that a great nation would rise out of his descendants and the Messiah would come from that nation and save the world. That's what he was promised. God promised Abraham that of his descendants would come the Messiah. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, he says, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis twenty-two eighteen, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, and also in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now notice that. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. A lot of people believe that Abraham's life is all about righteousness. A lot of people will teach that Abraham was the shining example of righteousness. But Abraham's righteousness didn't come from his own works. It didn't come from himself. Abraham's righteousness came from his faith. Abraham had faith. Abraham trusted the Lord. 
and therefore it was counted unto him for righteousness. The reason God looked at Abraham and saw righteousness, saw a righteous man, the reason God saw a righteous man when he saw Abraham is because when God looked at Abraham, he saw a man who trusted him completely. And that's what God does for us. When God looks at you and sees your faith, he sees righteousness. Just as God promised Abraham that he would provide a seed, descendants, a kingdom, and that through his, uh, through his seed, through his descendants, would the Messiah come, and Abraham believed him. Just as God made that promise to Abraham, God has promised salvation to all who repent and believe. And the question is, do you believe that? In John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, we tend to jump straight to the whosoever believeth in him, and that's central to salvation. That's central to the Bible. But let's not forget the first part of John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world, the only begotten son who had helped him create the world, sent him into the world, subjected him to the human experience. Jesus had to live the human experience. He was born. He was raised as a child. He was educated as a child. He uh, got to adulthood. He learned a vocation. It was, uh, we believe it was uh, carpentry because typically the child took on the vocation of the father. And while Jesus didn't have an earthly father, uh, Joseph, who was kind of the stand-in, was a carpenter. And so therefore we believe that Jesus became a carpenter and carpenters back in those days made farm implements. And so that's what Jesus likely did from the time he was 13 years old to the time he was 26. He very likely spent his time working for others, building plows and building tools and, and that sort of thing. And so Jesus, Jesus knows what it's like to get up every morning and have to go work a long, hard day in uh, very difficult circumstances. And so at the, end of, at the end of that time, he began his earthly ministry and he ministered and walked and talked on this earth for three and a half years. And after that three and a half years of his ministry, he went to the cross willingly where he was, he was beaten and nailed to the cross. And as he hung on that cross, he endured the wrath of God for the sins of the world. And when he endured the wrath of God for the sins of the world, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 53, 11, that he saw the travail of his soul. He saw the suffering of his soul. God saw Christ's suffering on the cross and the need for judgment had been satisfied. And with the need for judgment having been satisfied, the penalty and the price for sin has been paid. Then man can be freely saved. The Bible tells us in John three sixteen that whosoever believeth, that word believeth comes from a Greek word pistuo, which is the Greek word that we oftentimes translate into the word faith in the New Testament. Whosoever believeth has faith in him, trust him, takes him at his word, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God has promised salvation because he carried out the, the plan of salvation. He carried out the gospel. And so God has given us salvation. He's promised it. He's made it freely available. All we have to do to receive it is to be like Abraham and believe him. And when you believe in the Lord, the Bible says that God looks at that 
and counts that as righteousness. God sees you as a righteous individual before you do one thing for him. Because when you turn from your sins and you trust him and you believe in him and you look to him and you trust him and you trust what he did on the cross, that's when God gives you righteousness and that's when God sees you as righteous and that's when God saves you. Jesus speaks to this in John chapter five, verse 24. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The words of Jesus Christ in John chapter five, verse 24, written in red, the words of Jesus Christ, he says, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. That's the Lord's way of saying he that has faith, he that believes God, he that trusts in the plan of salvation, he that believes in the cross, the man who has faith, the man who trusts, has everlasting life, not shall obtain everlasting life, not may obtain everlasting life, not has the opportunity to work for everlasting life. No, 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 no. The one who believes in him has, present tense, right now, has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. So if you trust Jesus Christ as your personal savior and you're like Abraham and you have faith, then you have everlasting life. You will not come into condemnation. So you never have to worry about going to hell. And you are passed in John 5, 24, you are passed from death unto life. And so the question becomes, do you trust the Lord? Do you believe in the Lord? Now, the Bible tells us that the devils fear and tremble. The devils know that God is real. The devils know that Christ is real. The devils know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world, but they are still at war against him. They are still struggling against him and they do not have faith in him, nor will they ever. But we, as mankind, we have the opportunity to turn from our sins and to trust God to save us because of what Christ did on the cross. And so the question is, do you believe? Do you trust God to save you because Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you trust the Lord? Or are you trusting yourself? There are a lot of people that tell you that they believe in Jesus, but they're trusting their own good works. They're trusting their church membership. They're trusting their baptism. They're trusting their offerings. They're trusting their benevolence. They're trusting their own good works to get them into heaven. The Bible tells us that's not going to get it. Righteousness is given by faith and trust in the Lord and faith and trust in the Lord alone. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of James that Abraham did a lot of great works and that and the, the uh, statement is actually made that Abraham was saved by works, but that's not to be taken to the extreme that you have to work to be saved. It was Abraham's faith that gave birth to the works. Without the faith, there would have been no works. It's the faith that saved Abraham. So we trust God to save us because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We trust God to bring us into his kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, the Bible tells us about Abraham. It says that Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was told by God about heaven, and Abraham looked forward to the day that he would enter that city. It was his hope and his dream. He looked for it. He believed it, and he was looking forward to the day that he got to enter it. Same thing for us. If you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, 
then you need to trust God to bring you into heaven and trust God that Christ will return one day and establish that kingdom here on earth. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. As ye see the day approaching. We believe and we trust that the Lord is coming. And seeing the signs fulfilled all around us which point to his return should fire us up and should encourage us. And therefore, we need to be meeting together more often. And as we see the return of the Lord getting closer, we need to be getting together more frequently as Christians and encouraging each other, exhorting one another, and keeping each other encouraged and fired up that the Lord is indeed returning. We need to trust in the Lord's return. And so the first thing we learn from the life of Abraham is faith. Second thing we learn from the life of Abraham is that even the most faithful people fail. Abraham went to Egypt during the famine in Genesis chapter 12, and Egypt is symbolic in scripture of sin. Notice that people are always going down into Egypt. People go down into sin. He told the Egyptians that Sarah was his sister. He later did the same thing with Abimelech, so he has the same failure on multiple occasions. He fathered a child with his wife's handmaid. There's adultery. But yet Abraham is regarded as the father of Israel. He's the prime example of faith, but he failed. We also fail. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, the apostle Paul writes, for that which I do, I allow not for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. The apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7, and this is the greatest missionary in the history of the world. The apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7 that he too struggled with sin and failed. In Romans seven twenty four, he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from the body of this death? We fail, we sin, and we totally mess up and we make a mess of things. But when we do that, here's how God sees us. In Zechariah chapter three, verse two, the high priest Joshua was standing before the Lord and he had on filthy garments which represented the sins of Israel. And you see, Joshua was far removed from God's glory because he had all that sin on him when he was representing his nation to God. And Satan stood at his right hand to resist him. Satan stood there accusing Joshua, saying, he, look, look, at, look at this high priest. I mean, look at how filthy he is. Look at how sinful he is. Look at what a failure this guy is, God. And in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2, the Lord said, Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? He's been tried by fire. He's been refined by fire. God is seeing the refined product. God sees us as brands that have been plucked out of the fire. He sees us as iron that has been purified through the foundry process. And so we fail, we sin, we fall short, we repent, we ask God for forgiveness. He forgives us, why? Because he sees the us that he is transforming us to being. And so the first thing we learn from the life of Abraham is faith to trust God. The second thing we learn is that we fail, but God forgives us and loves us anyway. And the final thing we learn from Abraham is that faith is revealed in what we give to God. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, uh, the angel of the Lord says, I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham, when he was called through faith in Hebrews chapter 11, was willing to offer up Isaac. And God called him to do that, and then God stopped him. It was a test, and Abraham passed. 
Abraham, the most important thing to him, his son, he gave to God. In Mark chapter 12, verses 43 through 44, you have the story of the poor widow who threw two mites into the treasury at the temple. And the Lord Jesus said that she had cast more in than all they which had cast into the treasury, for they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even her living. She gave all, he, uh, she, gave all she had. Your faith is demonstrated in what you're willing to give to God. And so as we look at the life of Abraham, we learn three things. First of all, we learn to obey God. Abraham's faith fueled his obedience. Your faith should fuel your obedience too. Second thing we learn from the life of Abraham is to learn and grow from mistakes. Don't repeat them. And don't let Satan beat you down when you make a mistake. Repent, ask God for forgiveness, and just know that he loves you. And finally, we learn to give God our best. It's a lot of lessons you can learn from the life of Abraham. And you can read a story from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 25. Thank you for listening today. May God bless you and may God keep you. Will always be my daily prayer. You've been listening to The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is a radio ministry of Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church, which meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. at the Early Chamber of Commerce, 104 East Industrial Drive in Early, just off Highway 377, next to Pate's Hardware. Mail to P.O. Box 3134, Early, Texas, 76803. May God bless you and thank you for listening.